Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets are now on a three-game winning streak, thanks in large part to the efforts of one Mikhail Bridges. We break down the evolution of his game since coming to the Brooklyn Nets, the debut of Nerland's Noel, and what this team is trying to build consistently on both ends of the floor. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Marbrick, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast and your New Jersey Devils on the Devils Puck Luck Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day free on all those great platforms. And Doug... This is a celebration. It's the culmination of all the efforts of this team. We said coming off that great victory over Boston, the big comeback went obviously. But you looked at the next two games. This is the start of the road trip. You needed to win these if you wanted to feel like you could validate the sense that this team is certainly at least in the middle of the pack and better than some of these lower level teams in the NBA. Yeah, like it wasn't long ago before or when we were probably, like, you know, thinking about the play in. I think it's definitely still on the table, but um, just like starting to do the math around the lottery a little bit. Right. When they're down you know, a million points to the Celtics <laughs> in the second quarter, uh, you're starting to do that little mental math about what's going on here. Uh, they have completely at least righted that ship, won their third game in a row. Bridges, who we're going to talk about at length, I'm sure, is uh, has been amazing. Uh, I way better, I think, than even the most the loftiest expectations around Bridges, and he's the real story, uh, obviously. But they really, we we also knew when we looked at it, the schedule that, that you know, not the not necessarily the Celtics, but these next two games, the Charlotte game and this Rockets game, were like sort of must wins, no matter what the circumstances around the team are. The team was so to see them kind of go in both places and just take care of business has been a nice it's like a bit of a nice palate cleanser for sure, because it was looking, it was looking a little rough. And these are just the teams. These are the teams you kind of, you know, get right against. And they were able to do that. And, you know, you really couldn't ask for more. So we'll break down the game and bridges specifically, but just in terms of the short term, this was exactly what needed to happen for a team that really could have really entered a tailspin. I, like I, I can't understate it. Like second quarter of that Celtics game was tailspin time. And not only did they not do it, they had one of the best wins of the league in that game, uh, the year in that game, and then have taken care of business against these two crap teams over the last two. And that's just from an NBA team standpoint, that's what decent teams do. And it was the sentiment from Cam Johnson, which obviously sounds more robust when you complete a comeback like that against Boston. The sentiment after the first quarter was, we're not going down like this. We're, we're going to show what we're capable of. And there's been a lot of that sentiment around Mikhail Bridges, Johnson, just this team in general, right? Jock Vaughn mentioned the fight, kind of getting a sense of like, what is Mikhail Bridges made of? Well, he's a guy that as he takes these knocks and bruises, why has he been such a consistent NBA player in terms of being able to show up game in and game out? Because he plays through the little injuries, right? Because he wants to finish them out. The gamer mentality that we talk about. So it's pretty important, to your point. Like it's, it's almost critical to not lose games against two very bad teams in the league. And you talk about it all the time of, listen, 
No team in the NBA is you know horrible in terms of talent. They all have talented players. They're all NBA caliber players. And also, at this stage of the season, when you look at the record of the Hornets, you look at the record of the Houston Rockets, you know you need to win these games. And at the center of it is Mikhail Bridges, who, I mean, listen, you know, I've said this a couple of times before, and sometimes my instincts can be off. I can be bullish about a player that doesn't necessarily pan out. But when we had the discussion about can, what, what can Mikhail Bridges be, right? And we were, we were just having the conversation around, well, 23, 24, 26 point score, 30 point score. That would put him in a certain category inside the NBA. And in tonight's game, in addition to having another 30 point performance for himself in this one, he also accomplished something for the first time in NBA history. He's the first player in the history of the league to post a 50-40-90 line across the first 10 games with a new team. And it very much does feel like the unwrapping of this other layer of his game when he's considered to be the best player on a team as opposed to what he was in Phoenix, a supporting cast member. I didn't think that it could be this good, you know, 40, uh, 50, 40, 90 kind of line. What, just one game ago, a 50, 50, 90 line. But I, I, I at least seemed like the skill set was there to evolve and show it. Now it's probably the, the really cherry on top about this is that he's doing it while the team is also winning basketball games because that's kind of the contrast to use a player on this Nets team. Big performances from Cam Thomas, but not wins. Mikhail Bridges is giving big performances and leading the team to wins. Yeah, man, there's like a bunch of different ways to to have you look good in the stats. There's empty calorie stats. We've seen guys, you know, time and Morium just be able to go out on the NBA court. And if they're just given, um, you know, enough shots they're just going to put up stats that are going to stats are going to be eye popping i mean that's nets might have a guy like this in the roster right now actually um who maybe we'll get to later in the show but like and then there's guys who can go out and efficiently score and you like you said you actually go out and win games and that's not a dig on cam but like no. you know what we're saying here about about mikhail is that there was another level of his game it had to get there we're going to hear this say this a million times so i don't actually care about saying this we're going to be a broken record because it's going to be the story for the next couple of years the whole key to the durant trade was him being good everything else whatever comes later comes later like the draft picks and whatever else the key to the, the durant trade even being a semblance of like equal or fair for what you gave up had to rely on bridges taking a leap now in our mind that leap was going to be like Hey, next year, feet wet. Like yep, we got yep. a little bit of a different roster around the team. We'll kind of see how it goes. I don't think anybody, even no matter how lofty you were on expectations on Mikhail Bridges, saw this coming. No. Like this is this is just it's ridiculous in a good way. He's top ten since the 14th. So the last eight games, he's top ten in the league in scoring. Top ten. <laughs> like and, the, and by the way, and the other names aren't like just some like run hot Larry's that are just that are kind of just piling numbers on like the other guys in this group are like Lillard, SGA, Doncic, Embiid, right? Like that's the group. So that he's just even existing within this group and and they have W's on the back of it. Like we're seeing a leap. It is it's it's really, really cool. It's very rare that you get to actually sit, especially when they're on your team and you're rooting for it and watching every night, that you actually get to sit there and watch a guy who did not have these kind of expectations. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we got this guy? My, my, like, my. Think about the guys that are like this. Like, it happens, I'm, not, I'm not directly comparing him to these guys, but this is like sort of what happened with guys like Kawhi. 
right? Or PG. Yeah. Really like these guys that were, look, they were touted high draft picks, whatever, that were, you know, drafted for one reason. And let's see if they can kind of get to the next level on, on some other things. Like Bridges is that kind of, is like along that same kind of arc is like, because remember Kawhi was like a defensive specialist when he came in, right? <laughs> like that was, that was his thing. Um, so to watch it happen in real time in front of you is just awesome. And we're seeing it. We're seeing a leap. Like we're seeing a superstar leap happening right in front of us. The Brooklyn Nets win this game 118 to 96. Coming up here in a second, I'm actually going to highlight another key stat from Mikhail Bridges relative to what he was doing in Phoenix and why it's actually another critical component to the game, to his game, and why this team is having so much success over these last three games specifically. Before we do that, though, Doug, Gotta tell you about a little bit of a sponsor here, and that's going to be the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you have ever thought about being an NBA GM managing a basketball franchise, this is what I used to do on my Xbox with NBA 2K, with NBA whatever version of it. I loved franchise mode over there. Now with Ultimate Pro Basketball GM, you get to manage every single aspect of launching a franchise, hiring the coaches, the assistants, training and trading players, making draft picks, navigating the franchise through free agency and the draft, and of course, all the ups and downs of the season. I am right now sitting in my draft with the number one overall pick, debating whether or not I trade back three spots and pick up two critical players to improve my roster. This is life and death kind of stuff, my friends. And that is what I am trying to figure out on my end, and you can be a part of it too. Locked on Nets. Listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when they use promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, you just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up in the app store. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM, start your dynasty today. And speaking of starting things today, Doug. The other stat that I thought was really important about this, you and I, when we discussed Cam Thomas and what his game was, one of the things that we highlighted was the idea that he's a player that can get downhill, attack at the basket, and draw fouls. And something that's pretty unique to the skill set of players on this team. Mikhail Bridges, over the entirety of this season, when he played with Phoenix, had more than seven or more free throw attempts six times before the trade to the Brooklyn Nets. Since that trade, he has now eclipsed that number one, two, three, four, five, six times. He's matched the number of trips to the foul line in Brooklyn that he had in the entirety of his season with the Phoenix Suns. And he's done it now over these last four games, sorry, five games specifically, going back to the Milwaukee loss, seven, eight, nine, eight, and eight trips. And oh, by the way, he knocks it down at an incredibly high clip. That aspect of his game specifically to this team is actually pretty critical. Because the Brooklyn Nets have issues around some of their bigs and being able to knock down free throws. Even guys that you would consider by NBA metrics of, if you can shoot great three-pointers, then you're going to be a guy that goes to the line successfully. Curry can do that. Joe Harris doesn't really do that so well. Some of the other stretches, the, you know, the bigs, the power forwards, they don't do it so well. So the, the fact that this is also a player that's doing it from the outside, the inside, giving a little bit of facilitation as well, obviously. We know that he leans into the mid-range game. But he's drawing fouls going to the line and then punishing the other team. Those are free points and something that the Nets in the post-trade era, I really had a concern around. Can you get those free points when they're available to you? Mikhail Bridges is also ex executing that at a high level too. 
Yeah, look, he had this is what I was saying before the break was just talking about like what players like what happens to players when they start to make certain leaps, right? In terms of their overall offensive game. And these are the kinds of stats that that happen. One is just like getting an increase of shots, but not seeing a decrease in efficiency. Like that's one. Like you, yes. you know, usually with usually with volume, you're gonna see decrease in efficiency. It's just because you take more shots. That's just usually gonna happen. Usually, just means your shots are tougher. Uh, like that's that. It's not that you get worse. It's just that like if you're better, the shots are tougher. <laughs> like that's typically Double how like better of- defenders getting matched up on you because you're Correct. the best player now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. When you play with Phoenix, you're not gonna see their team's best <laughs> defender. That's gonna go to Devin Booker. It's gonna like be on Chris Paul to some degree. Like you're just not going to see those guys best defender. Like when you play with Kevin Durant, like you're not going to see the other team's best defender. That's just not how it's going to go. So when you see an increase in opportunity, typically it's because you're it's warranted. And then also because well, it's warranted because you're good enough. And then what's going to happen is that it's going to beget you getting some other worst, just sort of matchups. But then also if you're able to press the issue, right? Like get to the free throw line you know understand that you can like have body control in the lane which he already really has like if you can operate in the mid-range that's going to be problems for other teams which he's showing he can do like there are lots of little other parts to his game that show you that there is probably we probably actually haven't even hit the ceiling yet right and like this eight, it's whatever it's you know the, I, I referenced the last eight games it's been uh i mean i can't remember exactly how many games he's been on the team so far uh i should just have this queued up so he's been on the team yeah right so 10 games um the I actually think that what we're seeing in terms of his overall skill set, like getting to the line a little bit more, like shooting threes at a really high clip. I mean, you said he we've rounded up as 50% from three over the over this stretch. These are the signs of a guy that has another level. <laughs> and yeah. I, I think before when we you know talked about like a whole season of this, a whole season next year of this role. I mean, where he can land statistically, it's it's definitely higher than where we predicted. I can't remember where we landed on this, like 25 a game or something like that. I, like, that's a good round number. But, I mean, right? Like, do you think this oh. is the ceiling for him right now? I, I, I think there's I think there's another level. I think he's showing that he has another level to it. And he's just, he's just starting to explore what it is, it feels like. Yeah, like you and I were debating, because I remember at the time you were pulling up, like, well, here's where the scoring would be, right? If you're going to be a 27, 28, 29-point scorer, you're going to be a top 10 guy in the league. Saying 23, 24 was still going to be a top 20. And I think we were debating, it's like debating one more three-pointer a game, right? 24 versus 27 or 22 versus 25. But that that's the thing about this five-game stretch here too. And it's funny because prior to this game, I had started to look at certain stats just in terms of, of what he was doing and how he's producing. Now you can make, listen, on the one hand, you could make the argument, you play two bad teams and that's going to help you produce better numbers. But actually tonight, ironically, he was averaging, he was a 50-50 90 guy before tonight where he went four of 10 from beyond the arc and that actually brought his numbers down. But even when you go back to those games where they lost against Milwaukee, against Atlanta, uh, against the, well, actually didn't win against Miami, it was the 45-point performance. But he put up 31-24 and 24 against Milwaukee and Atlanta, respectively. One team that's not so good defensively, one team that can give you a lot of problems defensively. There's some sample size here now that suggests this is a guy that can be, you know, pretty matchup proof to whatever level. Is he, you know, is he superstar top three player in the league? No. But the idea that in a given game now, teams are going to say biggest defensive assignment, it's going to go at Mikhail Bridges. And Mikhail Bridges is showcasing that he can still produce with consistency. Over the five, I said this over the five games coming into this one. And these are the big bulk number of stats 
that are worth throwing out before this game. He came into it with the sixth best free throw percentage because he's knocking it down at, at an incredibly high clip. The rebounds per game. And by the way, when I mentioned some of these rankings, it's worth noting that like these are some of the supplemental areas that you worry about with a player like this when he's producing on the offensive end. 15th in rebounds, 10th, oh, sorry, 15th in rebounds per game, 10th in total rebounds over that stretch, 16th in assists, 7th in steals, 6th in blocks, and then turnovers, which I think is also another key category here. He was 4th in turnovers over the 5 games leading into this one, and the 3 players that were ahead of him on the list over that 5 games had played one game. So that tells you he's actually the best in terms of turnovers. So you think about protecting the basketball, producing at a high level, being good enough that you can lean into. And I talked about this on uh, two episodes ago about being good enough that you can actually define. He mentioned this in a post-game press conference when asked about going into the mid-range game. Yes, the analytics tell you three points is always more than two, and that's the volume you want to shoot on. Unless you are good enough and you play at a high enough level in the mid-range game that you can go to that well with consistency. So there's an incredible sample size here. And just to your point, no. I did not think I was going to turn around and say four to the last five games, Mikhail Bridges has scored 30 or more points for the Brooklyn Nets. But it does make you dream on what this organization can try to do in the offseason to add another kind of key player around this. Because this is not a complete roster by any stretch, and Mikhail is still producing like he is. And I want to be really clear about something, and I think I, I, I know I speak for both of us here. Like, we spent a lot of time talking about Mikhail here in a win where, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie scored 23, Claxton was an absolute defensive force. Like, yep. there's other things that are that are aspects of this game that this is not to gloss over those. The reason we're spending this much time on Mikhail here is because unlike those other guys and those and they had great games, it, this is actually less about this game and more about, like, the future. The yep. Nets have, like, we're making the case that, like, the, the Nets are showing, the, excuse me, Mikhail Bridges is showing in the short term here that they have a superstar on their hands. I, like, there's no world where D- Dinwiddie's a, a, a good player. I, I like Dinwiddie a lot, whatever. Um, well, not whatever. I like Dinwiddie a lot. Um, these guys aren't superstars. Like, Bridges is a potential superstar. It's like, actually, in some ways, we're probably not making a big enough deal about it. <laughs> like, right. Right. and because when we're looking toward the future and how the team is built, you're starting to see glimpses of how a team can be built sort of around him. Right. The other guys are really good complimentary players and we have enough of a sample size of their game to sort of like know where they're going to land. Right. Claxton, does he have another level? Probably Dinwiddie. We pretty much know who he is. He's a good player on a good team. Like that's what he is. Right. So Mm -hmm. but Bridges, the reason we're spending this much time talking about it and frankly, we're probably spending a lot more time talking about him is because like we said before, when you're watching the possibility of a superstar ascension, he actually has that DNA now. Like he has the superstar DNA and we probably are going to be able to watch it in real time. And those other guys don't. And so that's just where that's just like why we're landing up. Like uh, it's more of a high level thing than this one game. Those other guys were really good. It was a nice win. It's not that we're not glossing over these guys because of that. It's just that like, I think we're getting a rare chance to see something happening in front of us. And I want to make sure we're appreciating it. And, and frankly, to tie a bow on it. Remember we, we heard about the pass through opportunity teams, maybe being willing to send four first round picks to the nets in exchange for Mikhail bridges, right? So teams, GMs teams around the league, I think maybe knew like we would not from an insider NBA perspective, what this player could be capable of if you elevated into that higher role. But most importantly, you said it in the first segment, when you trade away Kevin Durant, the, pl- the players you get back, hey, the totality is great. And you can look at the picks and say, well, at least we know we can rebuild this thing. But when you can look at a 26-year-old, when you trade away a 34-year-old, 
And you can look at a 26-year-old player and say, we could have a legitimate superstar on our hands that we also have under contract for years to come. It changes the entire outlook around this team going beyond this season in a way that should get Brooklyn Nets fans really excited. All right, when we come back from this, uh, come back from the break, we will talk a little bit about the rotation here as well. Some interesting stuff, uh, not some interesting, some not so great stuff that happened in this game. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about the games from some of the other guys we mentioned as well. We'll do that right after this. Got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. We're headed toward the playoffs here for the NBA. You know, we're the final fourth of the season, and now is the perfect time to download the FanDuel sports app. It's America's number one sports book. New customers are going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, all those bees, baby, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes, drain, rebounds, assists. They got it all in there. You pile it together for a same-game parlay. Um, you can get in there. Like you said, you can do the different player props. You can put If you get all in the same game, you can put it all together to really increase your odds. You can go to two times three, two three-pointers, score in the first three minutes. You can really get granular on the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's just awesome. Once you get in there, you're going to see what I mean. Uh, let's you combine those bets for a chance at a bigger payout. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. And after that, Nets fans, we got to tell you, we've been telling you about this for a while. I saw someone pop into chat the other day and mention this too with the Mission Burrito. And maybe you didn't know what they meant at the time. You're going to know right now the best Cali Mexican food in the area. That's our friends over at Brooklyn Borough. If you haven't tried Brooklyn Borough uh, before or after a Nets game, you don't know what you're missing. Next time in your area, you go to 922 Fulton Street, just a few stops away from the Barclays, uh, under a mile. You're going you're to smell the aromas before you even get there. The hearty taste is going to draw you in. It's San Francisco Mission District Burritos off the charts. They got tacos. They got the bowls. They got the quesadillas. They got stuff named after our boy Joe Harris. Pepe and friends know how to do it right at Brooklyn Borough. And the deal you're going to get, this is what you do. You go in there, top of your lungs, you scream locked on nets. That's all you got to do. And they're going to start throwing burritos your way. That's because you're going to get a free baby burrito with the purchase of a mission burrito. If you tell them that you're a locked on nets fan, when you're ordering, it's not just the burritos, baby too. They got the salsa bar. They got ice cold cervezas, tasty margaritas, everything, the ambiance, the food and more Brooklyn borough, 922 Fulton street, map it or check it out on Yelp. You're going to see all the reviews as well. Going to call you in there. Uh, get those directions. Read the reviews. Brooklyn Borough brings original San Francisco Mission District burritos and delicious Cali Mexican favorites right to you in Brooklyn. Brooklyn Borough, order, unwrap, enjoy, unwrap more. Finish, come back, smile. Going to need that uh, Bridges burrito from Pepe, I think. So we'll go ahead and read It's going to be a monster, baby. <laughs> it's going to be enormous. and It's going to be sizable. Okay, as we um, then think about this game in, in a couple of different aspects, it's funny. You mentioned about guys we're not glossing over, but highlighting Mikhail Bridges is really important um, after this game, handful of games that we've seen from him. It's also been really nice. I think we'll talk about Claxton here. I want to mention Nerlens Noel, who gave him who gave. There's things that I liked about his game, and it's also like one of those sweet sample sizes that looks strikingly similar to like a, a Dayron Sharp kind of stat line. 
with the fouls to to uh, points ratio. But Spencer Dinwiddie, I do want to just kind of give this nod here because a handful of games ago we were saying where, boy, you know, Spencer, back in Brooklyn, we love you, but we are getting this hero ball kind of mentality, not necessarily showing me balance in your game on both ends of the floor. You need to be a facilitator, setting guys up. But he really has been the number two compliment here across these last handful. 23 in this game, 24 and 17 the two games prior. But even most importantly, only four assists in this one. Actually, messed up a little bit of a parlay I had going on tonight. But 8, 8, and 10 in terms of assists the three games prior. Like, he's a veteran player. You mentioned it. This is not a guy that's going to turn into a superstar. He's a good player on a good team. And guess what? With Mikhail Bridges... This can be a good team, and he can be a very good complimentary player. Like, I've really liked the games that he's put together going back to that Boston. Yeah, no, like I said, it's not, you know, just because you don't mention someone doesn't mean that you have an out for the guy. It's just like, this is just, there's a certain, with every NBA team, there's a certain hierarchy, and the hierarchy it's actually better, frankly, when the hierarchy is defined. Uh, usually teams like that tend to have a little more success when there's a very clear hierarchy of talent just because that's sort of how the game works, right? And the better teams sort of understand that as long as everyone's like of the requisite talent, right? Um, and I, I, so that's why it's like worth it to mention Mikhail first. Now, you know, and with Dinwiddie too, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. I think the contributions have been really good. The $21 million a year is uh, partially, only partially guaranteed. So I'm not exactly sure like what, I mean, I, I, my guess is he's on the team all next year and depending on where they are, he's either like a trade candidate or, you know, they're thinking about resigning him. though. I'm not sure he's going to totally fit their timeline. It's not yeah. like my favorite game, like, like stylistically, I, I don't know if it's my favorite um, just because it's just a little ISO heavy. He d- is good at getting to the rim. He wor- he has worked really well in the past with good rim running centers um, that have good hands. Like the nets don't, have that totally right now and so that's like a little weird but so i think actually his game would look a lot better if he had like a a really good screener and a really good roller and the nets don't Mm -hmm. really have like that uh in their like claxton and nerland's noel now i guess there's like really aren't that guy but in terms of like in terms of what he did, I like he's there's I got you know the, I'm not, it's hard to like give him like massive praise, but you're never going to take a dig at him. He's just a really really good player. It's good. He's the he is the reason that or he is a big reason beyond Bridges about why they're putting these win streaks together. He is a stabilizer for the most part. He can kind of like right the ship on offense if things are not going well because he is he can get to the basket and create his own shot. He's not a mid range guy, but he does want to get to the hoop. He thinks he's been fouled and every single shot he's ever taken in his whole life. But, um, <laughs> which is always my, he did it. It's, he did it's my least favorite thing in the whole world. I, I he, it, it drives me nuts. I get everyone does it. So who cares? No, like, no, yeah, he I put just, his hands, he put his hands behind his back. Like, you know, like the slow stroll you do when you're like just walking down the beach or the boardwalk with your favorite yeah. gal, he put his hands behind his back to show just like, I'm not here to be the aggressor but I'd love to have a long-term discussion about the recent call on the court. He does it in a variety of ways and it's all beautiful. He's it's just competitive and a lot of guys do it. He does it more than a lot of other guys, but he takes a lot of shots anyway. Yeah. His game, I, I, you know, it's been good. And you mentioned Nerlens. Look, a guy hadn't played in a month, so I don't know, like the expectations couldn't have been really high. It's clear that the nets no. want to see what they have on the, on the 10 day. Uh, let me ask you a question though, uh, just because sure. we're going to, we're get, starting to get out of here and we're just going to finish this off. I'm sure I know you're talking to Cam Pittman from the Bucks tomorrow, so we're not going to get a chance to talk about it. Maybe before we, um, before maybe all the way to the end of the week, the Cam Thomas thing, he played zero minutes tonight. 
Like it's been 24 minutes, seven minutes, seven minutes, zero. Didn't even get garbage time run. Like this yep. was a blowout and they kind of kept some rotation guys in for the blowout. Like he's like fully and completely buried. I mean, is this like the weirdest thing ever? Like, did you ever see that in, in the old, did you see the bridges thing coming? Did you see the camp <laughs> thing coming here at all? Like for going the, uh, after the run he had, I mean, I get not starting him, but I mean, like two weeks ago, we were like, Hey, should he start? <laughs> he doesn't even play anymore. He's that he's out of the rotation. Yeah. And you know what, man? Like, and I hate, I hate to do it. I hate to put it in this context, but if you go back to what, when Jock Vaughn said, Hey, by the way, though, we lost two out of three of those games. And we said, nobody was playing those games. It's really hard to put it in that kind of container. Combine that with though, the Nets winning basketball games when he's not playing. We said this before, we don't know what it is, but something's clearly going on here. We've talked about a, the complete game. I, we both agreed. He has shown flashes of doing all of the right things, especially offensively, making the extra pass, even when maybe he has an open look, giving the feed, finding an open shooter on the perimeter. Like he's done a lot of the little things well. I, I have to assume that there is something going on here that has almost nothing to do with basketball whether it's attitude, whether it's this idea of resetting this culture and bringing in guys like Johnson and Bridges, Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, all very highly regarded guys in terms of attitude, buy-in, commitment, work ethic, right? Like all of those boxes get checked with these players that they've brought in. Other than that, Yes, I find it incredibly shocking that he cannot have a role on a team that is that is bereft of talent when it comes to having an off-the-bench score, a spark plug player, backcourt players that can do things with the ball in their hand. In terms of needs, the Nets need a guy like Cam Thomas. So there must be something else going on here, and the organization seems willing to sacrifice potentially games, wins and losses, by, by sending a message to him. I honestly, if I had to say, if you ask me right now, I would say that this is trending in the direction of Cam Thomas, who has showcased what his talent is, being far more likely as a part of a package to improve this new version of the team than being a part of this team going forward. Yeah, it's just the weirdest thing. I like I don't know. It's, it's they, you know, I I know that like there was context around the huge games and, you know, he was sort of unleashed in those games to just shoot as much time, many times as he wanted to. Go ahead. No, no, this is this. I'm, I'm, I'm derailing our conversation in a lot of ways. I did not know this. I don't know if Nets fans knew this. I heard this on the broadcast. Edmund Sumner had a child. Oh, and yeah. That is why he missed the last handful of games. I just, to put it in context, because we've been, maybe it does tie into Cam Thomas has been playing well. You're not playing Edmund Sumner at all. Like, I just do wonder here now going forward, maybe we'll see healthy scratches for Edmund Sumner, if all of a sudden he works his way into this backcourt rotation, that'll also just kind of crystallize maybe what the Nets would have preferred to have done coming out of this trade scenario. Maybe the Cam Thomas minutes and the performances were merely a, a product of necessity as opposed to what they would have liked the design to be. Yeah, yeah. I, we, we, I thought you and I had talked about it. I had talked about it for a while on the podcast the other day about the Sumner thing. That, that oh, was good. Okay, good. He was out. Yeah, yeah, he was out for personal reasons. Um. But that, that that was specifically was the reason. But yeah, with yeah. Cam, yeah, I think that's actually, and we'll close on this. I think that's a good point. I, I do wonder if the circumstances made it actually the optics on this look worse. <laughs> because I wonder, like you said, like I wonder if that would just it just wasn't part of the plan. They had to do it because they had nobody. 
right? Like they had nobody during these trade deadline stuff and they just had, they needed bodies. And he was like, Hey, I'm go out there and I'll shoot 30 times. Like it's fine. Um, and then it also, and maybe put them like in a somewhat weird spot when that wasn't really what they wanted to do to begin with. Right. And, <laughs> right. and right. he kind of played his way so well that it now it looks super weird, but maybe to them, it doesn't look weird at all. It's like, Hey, that wasn't part of the plan. Um, and so yeah, I, we okay. never wanted to do, yeah, we never wanted to use them. We kind of knew we could do this from a scoring perspective and now it makes it look even weirder that he can do that, and we don't seem to feel like we want to use yeah. it. Well, it for sure looks weird. I, that's, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Okay, we're going to get out of here. Appreciate everyone jumping into YouTube. We'll spend a few extra minutes in YouTube. The later games get a little dicey with that, um, but we will spend a few extra minutes in YouTube. So if you have a question, queue it up at Locked On Nets. If you're over on the podcast feed, make sure you subscribe to YouTube. We're climbing towards 6,000 now. That's the new goal, 6,000. I'm not going to sleep. I literally won't sleep, um, You know, literally and figuratively. Until literally 6,000. So it's going to get, it's going to get weird here on the podcast. You're going to see it. You're going to see it in my face. Get us to 6,000 over on YouTube. Subscribe to locked on nets over on YouTube. Look, talent comes everywhere, but having something to say and a way to say it, to have people listen to it, that's a whole other bag. And unless you get out and you try to do it, you'll never know. That's just the truth. And that's Jackson Maine from a star is born. Oh, RIP, I think, right? He died. Spoiler he died. Oh, um, I hadn't seen it. <laughs> I was just getting around to it. Don't bother. Oh, he dies. All right. Uh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.